Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Welcome to Small Business Digest on Blog Talk Radio. Now entering its fifth year, this show is hosted by Don Mazella, Editorial Director of Small Business Digest. Each week he brings you advice and information from experts and small business leaders like yourself. Each show is designed to provide one or two thought-provoking ideas from authors, experts, and small business leaders, just like most of the individuals who make up our audience. Whenever possible, Small Business Digest tests the products and services featured on the show to ensure they are of a quality to help listeners grow their small business. Guests do not pay to appear, but are chosen for their ability to provide ideas and suggestions to improve operations, expand marketing, reduce cost, enable better personnel management, and add profits. Remember, all of our shows are archived at www.blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. You can hear this show and all others at your leisure. If you like what you hear, tell others about the program. If you have a question or suggestion, email us at editor at is-incorp.com. Should you want to join us on this program during our live hour each Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, dial 646-929-2337. That's editor at is-incorp.com or 646-929-2337. We're only as good as our guest and audience make us. You know, with an introduction like that, it, it's hard to uh, uh, keep up such a, a great uh, introduction. But anyway, this is Don Mazzella. We're waiting here uh, for our first guest, Jason Metcalf and his wife, Rita. Um, we thought we would have them on in, t- in anticipation of uh, Mother's Day, which uh, is just a, a week and a half away. They're a mother-daughter team in small business, and we're waiting for them. In the meantime, uh, uh, I thought we'd also talk about uh, National Small Business Week. Uh, Actually a month, but the main week begins this coming Monday. Uh, uh, In honor of that, uh, we intend to have a program next week that that I think all of our uh, listeners will enjoy. I, uh, uh, over the past few years, I've, I've looked at several, several, almost 120 businesses in order to be on this program. Uh, in ma- many cases, uh, it involved uh, uh, individuals with extremely uh, uh, interesting uh, uh, businesses and in- uh, interesting stories. Uh, two of those uh, businesses will be on next next week, and I hope you will enjoy them. 
in, in the meantime, we're, go, we're going to wait for uh, Jason and his mother, and I, I'm, I'm going to uh, devote what is uh, the worst thing in all of radio, silence, because, uh, ah, here they are. Jason, Hello. are you on? Uh, we are. Jason and Rita, are you on? Yes, we are. Well, welcome, welcome to the program. Uh, Thank okay. you. Okay. Okay. First, uh, we're talking with Jason Metcalf and his mother, Rita. And um, before we do anything else, tell us a little bit about you, uh, yourself, starting with Rita. Rita, what's your background? Um, <clears throat> excuse me, I have a background in, uh, uh, I owned a couple salons, I've owned uh, dry cleaners, um, I also helped start a chiropractic office, so I had some business experience before I ever got into scooters. Okay, so so you, you, you have a, a scooters coffee shop, am I correct? That's correct. Okay. What is a Scooter's uh, coffee shop? We have we actually own uh, 14 of them. We wow. Own 14 of them here oh. in Lincoln, Nebraska. Yeah. Well, where are you located? It's, a, uh, it's in Lincoln, Nebraska. Mm. It's a coffee franchise based out of uh, Omaha, Nebraska, which is about 45 miles just east of us. And uh, well, what's it's you... uh, predominantly a drive-through-based coffee business. Really? Well, but, but what makes you unique? The, the coffee blend, uh, the drive-through. What? Uh, well, you've got fourteen of them. Obviously, the, you must be successful. But what makes them successful? I think I think the model is really good. It's uh, we found a. We built a 500-square-foot drive-through model that doesn't have any seating. So some of our stores have, you know, the 2,000-square-foot walk-in drive-throughs. We have one inside of a hospital, one in a mall. But the the model that's unique to scooters is a 500-square-foot drive-through that captures the peak hours, which are 7 to 10 a.m. And uh, it's inexpensive to build. You can plop them down in places that you wouldn't have otherwise been able to build a full coffee house and you can target the drive time to work for folks without having to have the big expense and the huge labor costs so what do you do the rest uh, well obviously the, the uh, okay your drive time but what do you do the rest of the time of, of the day <clears throat> there you remain open but in the coffee business, the the peak hours are the seven to ten a.m., and so the rest of the the rest of the day you still do business. But um, it's like opening a, a restaurant; you want to make sure you're you're busy on your lunch and evening hours. Well, in the coffee business, the majority of your the majority of your sales are before noon, and so you want to put yourself on the correct side of the street, make sure you're visible and accessible, and that's that's what the kiosks allow you to do to fit into places that you probably wouldn't have been able to do in terms of like in front of a Walmart shopping center or a big anchor, you know, where you couldn't build a, a large strip center building, you can build one of these kiosks. Well, 
Well, you say an interesting word uh, right uh, side of the street. Like, uh, for instance, going into town uh, because it is the uh, uh, peak time. Is that what you mean by that? Yeah, typically, you know, you tend to think of people as ants to where they they take the same road to work every day. Um, You have the right – it's easier for folks to take a right turn – and then a right turn back on the street instead of crossing traffic. So um, you think of the the right side, in other words, the correct side of the street would be the most accessible where you can make a right turn, go into the coffee store, get your coffee, make another right turn, and continue on your path down to work. So most folks take the same path the same day to work, so you want to make sure that you're easily accessible to them. Well, you know, that's interesting. Uh I never thought about it, but it's so logical, but I never thought about it, and that's that's uh, so true. And um, how, did you, uh, how did you decide on your first scooter? Well, we, um, Scooters was just starting to franchise when we got, when we uh, started with the company, and they had already uh, started a location in Lincoln, in a downtown area. And so we um, just purchased that from them, and that was our oh. that was our first one. But it was one that Scooters had already started, but, and then we just went but, on from there. Um, <laughs> um, Scooter, is it a coffee blend that attracts people? Is it the convenience? What is it about it that makes it so successful and made you so interested? Well, our our thing that we go by is. Uh, you know, making making the experience uh, amazing. We we are heavy into customer service and, of course, quality. All the products that we use um, are, you know, the top of the line, the highest quality you can buy. And so um, our drinks are exceptional. And uh, <clears throat> our coffee is uh, amazing. Um, we, right now we're getting it through, um, uh, um, what is it, Jace? But anyway, our, uh, but anyway, we just feel like that we just have a great product with amazing service fleet and amazing fast. Well, you know, I just happened to read while I was waiting, uh, waiting that the, uh, uh, the International Coffee Show is going on in Seattle right now. And it's all about technology and how you can now brew the coffee you want um, electronically and in some cases not even ever touch the the coffee until you pull out the cup. Um, I I found that interesting. And and, and, um, uh, America is a land of coffee drinkers, obviously, and and you're you're into it. What, What do you... Um, are you seeing an increase in coffee, a decrease? What are you, what are you seeing as trends in, co- in coffee to your, in your area? I think it, I think the same as what's going on in our area as it is national. When I, I'm 38 years old, and when I, the first time I had a cup of coffee was out when I was in college trying to cram for a chemistry test, and you know, 20 years ago that was the that was the drink of the old people. That was the drink of your grandparents, and and today what you're seeing is you're seeing high school and junior high kids in our drive-thrus drinking the specialty drinks and 
you know, you're seeing the the uh, the baby boomers with the discretional income that are able to buy those drinks that will never go back to the cheap Folgers, and you're seeing the young professionals do it, it's almost becoming almost a status symbol to carry a specialty coffee drink. But at two, three bucks, it's affordable to everybody. And so what you're seeing is you're seeing the demographic open up to where it doesn't, it transcends race, it transcends, you know, age, it transcends income level. It doesn't, we don't, it, it's really difficult to find our target demographic because so many people drink coffee and can afford two or three bucks. So I just had that conversation this morning when we were talking about uh, downward trends in the economy to where, you know, if something happens, you're probably not going to buy a new car or remodel your house, but women most likely will probably still buy makeup and smokers will smoke and drinkers will drink and people who drink coffee won't give that up as well. So it seems to be pretty recession proof. Well, um, uh, before we go on to mother and daughter, which is what mother and son, which is why we're here, I'm going to ask you another question. Um, uh, you, people are spending uh, uh, prime prime dollars for uh, frappuccinos and all that other stuff. Um, uh, are you finding that a case, or or is it still a plain old coffee cup that uh, wins uh, customers? A large percentage of our sales are specialty coffee, and uh, I think people, I don't think people have a problem spending that, obviously, because it's just a moment in the day, and it's a few minutes in the day where they can treat themselves and have, you know, a special experience for a very little amount of money, and uh, I think that that's, um, I think that's been one of the benefits of this business, too because it's just your little escape for a little bit that, you know, you treat yourself. And uh, and it's just, it's growing incredibly. Well, uh, that's uh, that's the case. Uh, do, you, do you have a website for your particular uh, um, uh, group of uh, stores? No. We have, we just all... Uh, Subscribe to the scooterscoffee.com. Well, they okay. used to have. No, we've we've been in this for. Go ahead. No, you first. You're the guest. Uh, uh, I was just saying that we used to have Facebook accounts and Twitter accounts for the stores, but with all the franchisees that we have now in the system, it makes it difficult to to control that, and so they eliminated social media for the individual stores and routed it up to the to this the corporate account. Well, I, uh, an email just came across my my desk from a listener that asked the question: Do, do you do special promotions, or, um, or uh, buy ten uh, ten coffees and you get the eleventh free, or anything like that? We uh, we ran a promotion for a couple of years where anytime you load a twenty five dollar gift card, you get a five dollar gift card free. But they ran into tax problems in certain states where, like in California, I believe, um, our stores had a gift card under $5, I think, was the same as cash, or $10 was the same as cash. And so they cut that program to keep it consistent throughout the country. But um, we do punch cards. um, We do random specials. But they're all being routed now through a mobile app that we just created. You can get that on the App Store. 
So the, uh. they, they can push coupons. They can push drinks. If you're in a certain zip code and they know that you're close to a scooter, they can, they can send you a coupon or a free drink. Or So I think moving forward, that's going to be the majority of the loyalty. When you say that, are you talking about the franchisor uh, uh, scooters? Or, or yeah, that's correct. Yep. Or, okay, now correct. let's go. Uh, well, another reason uh, why you're here: a mother and a, a son in business together. And um, I know I've had three or four emails when I when, uh, I've had you on on the program. Uh, how does it work? Are you equal partners? Um, and well, let's start with the first question. Why did you decide to go in business together? Um, I was always going to be a chiropractor, and that's what I went to college for. And I got married. My wife was an Olympic athlete, and we were traveling across the world following her athletic career. And my mom stumbled upon scooters there was one in Omaha that she ran into and and she had always wanted to get in the coffee business and so she called me and asked me if I'd partner with her and you know that it would be a short-term a short-term thing and and as soon as Nancy my wife was done with her athletic career she would buy me out and I would go on to chiropractic school and so Nancy's career kept picking up and she she continued to play and and so we kept opening coffee stores and you know, honestly the the business was too good and we were we love what we do and so I just never looked back. I never went never went back to chiropractic school and just stayed here in Lincoln and and that was twelve years ago. Well what what career did your wife have? She was a volleyball player. Ah. Well that's interesting. Uh so if if I sum it up, you went in for one thing and ended up uh, being so su- successful you couldn't leave it. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Mm. I just, but now we love what okay. we do. Well, that's yeah. an important thing. But how do you divide up yeah. the, the decision making? She. She makes the decisions, and she tells me exactly what to do every day. It's it's real easy. It's real easy. Yeah, when we signed the papers, Jason got there first and appointed himself president. So he's the one that makes the decisions. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just the one doing the books and sure. taking out the trash. Sure. Mm. Well, it's... No, it's we, uh, <laughs> go ahead, no, please. We, we talk about... We talk about everything... Um, you know, expansion, hiring, staffing. You know, we there are very few days where we don't see each other, um, and multiple times throughout the day. So we're constantly talking about it, and um, most of the decisions that we make from this point, once the store is open and operational, are small things where, you know, replacement of equipment or, you know, I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but nothing that one person couldn't handle, and so... Um, we keep each other abreast on what we did and what we decided, but the major decisions we come together and, and talk about if it's hiring of managers or if it's, um, you know, building a new location or remodeling or those kind of things, we just kind of sit down and, and talk through it. 
Well, it's it's interesting. But when you do do have um, disagreements, how do you settle them? I think. Well, I don't. I don't. Honestly, I don't. We've never really had any disagreements. Um, sometimes we have different views, and we just talk about them. But it's never been a disagreement. We've never ever had a fight. Um, you know, never felt like we wanted to walk away. It's just, it's that's just never been the case. We've just been very fortunate and very blessed. I think what well, I think what allows that to happen. I think what allows that to happen is is we both want each other to succeed, and I don't think there's any amount of money that would that should come in in between a relationship, and so early on in this company when I was traveling and and um, was overseas with my wife, you know, my mom took care of everything and she and she managed it and and wouldn't take a salary for that. Um, she just said we're fifty fifty partners and you know there's gonna be some times where you're pulling more weight than me and I'm pulling more weight than you, but if we get on on that kind of foot where we feel like we have to be compensated for everything we do, this is gonna be a battle. And so I think she set the precedent from the very first year of, you know, there's going to be overlap, and that's ultimately what happens in the deterioration of partnerships is one thinks they're doing more than the other, or the expectation becomes there. And so if you have the mindset of where you're both going to plug in and you're both going to work hard, then, you know, the other one's going to be working equally as hard, and you don't let the small things get in the way. That's really I think true. the money yeah. – you know the you know obviously you want to make money in your business, but part of this has been the adventure too you know we've in, we've uh we really enjoy the growth process we love we both love um growing and possibilities um and so I think that you know that that's what gets us excited too is is uh the possibilities of what's next we um uh, uh and in, in back in reference to back what Jason was saying, um, I remember we were probably in this about a year, maybe a year, a little bit longer, and something came up with it was a question of there was some, something about money, and I remember telling Jason that you know it was just a feeling I had, and we have always been very close, and so to I was concerned you know going into business that this would. Uh, you know, do something to damage our relationship, and the la- that's the last thing that I would ever want. And so, you know, I, we just, I just said, and we both agreed that if there, it, the money isn't, isn't the issue here. And if there was ever a problem on that or any uncomfortable thing that, you know, I would back out and he could go or whatever, because um, we treasure that relationship more than anything. That's really great to hear. Could um, uh, another question? Um, do you have any other uh, children besides Jason? Yes, I have a daughter. Ah. She's um, in Kansas City. Ah. Um, but she she's not in business or uh, uh, in a business with you. No, she's not. Ah. Well, uh, it's always interesting. So. Uh, the, the, uh, it's it's always interesting 
uh, when uh, with family dynamics. Is, uh, based on your experience, uh, what would you tell our audience are the three things that you learned about running a business that you would like to pass on to uh, to our listeners? Um, I would find I would find something that you that you're really passionate about, and then go all in. I think a lot of times people say they want to start a business or they want to get into a career and they put their feet in the water and they put a toe in the water and they, they're kind of half in, but they'll, they'll never be successful unless you're going to jump with both feet in and go all after it. So I think that's a big mistake people make in whatever they do. If it's, if it's owning a business or a school or, so that's, that's the one thing I think I tell them. Um, the second thing is, is that you, you can't be afraid to work. You know, some, sometimes you get into this and you think you want to own a business and you think you're going to sit and just boss people around or you have no idea what it is. I think you have to be prepared to roll your sleeves up and, and learn the ins and outs of whatever it is that you're involved in and, and, and not be, not be afraid to work. Um, I, I think those are the two things. I, I don't know about a third. That, a, third a third thing that, that we've always, that we've always, believed in is treating others as we would treat as we would want to be treated ourselves um you know in a business like this you all have your you all have your jobs you know there's the boss there's the 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 workers you know er, you know all different a lot of different moving parts but none of those work unless they're all working together they can't work independently of each other and so um, so we've always wanted to um, feel like our employees are every bit as important to this business as we are. Uh, and um, and I think, I think most of our people have always felt that way, that we're never above them, we're equal with them, because we can't do this without them. And so we've really tried to be fair and, um, and treat them like we would want to be treated. That's absolutely uh, great advice. Uh, we're talking with Jason Met- Metcalf and his wife, <laughs> wife, sorry, mother, uh, Rita, who own a group of uh, coffee shops called Scooters Coffee uh, in, in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, any other place besides Lincoln? That's uh, that's the only places that we own them. Scooters have okay, about, but the, uh, I think there are about 175 the, locations across the country, but we only own the ones in Lincoln. Okay, but in in the Lincoln area, they they work well together, uh, and uh, I think they're they're a very appropriate uh, guests for us as we anticipate Mother's Day, which uh, uh, a question for you. Uh, do you have special sales for Mother's Day uh, at your uh, scooters location? Uh, I don't think there's a discount going on this year. We've, in past years, we've handed things out or flowers or, um, I think one year we did a discount on Mother's Day, but this year I think it's just a typical day. I I I, I asked the question simply because. Uh, some uh, someone sent an email across. Uh, Jason and Rita, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, 
it, it's it's been fun, and it's gonna, we're so happy to see a, a, a mother and the son getting along so well. It's great news. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having us. No, uh, and have a good day. Thank you, you too. Love Talk Radio. Our next guest uh, really brings a subject that uh, several people have asked about in recent weeks. And when when I happened to hear about her, I thought it would be an uh, excellent opportunity. Laura McLeod uh, has a fascinating career, which I'm going to ask her right now to talk about. Uh, and her, the subject really is managing hourly uh, workers and uh, hopefully at the end we'll talk a little bit when we decide we have to separate from them. Laura, welcome to the program. Thanks so much, Don. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Well, uh, Laura, uh, as we do with every guest, tell us a little bit about yourself personally before we get into anything else. Sure. Uh, well, I uh, originally came to New York, which is where I live now, uh, to pursue a career as an actress and a dancer, which I was relatively successful in, which I enjoyed quite a bit. Uh, and in the meantime, while doing that, I also spent many, many years as an hourly employee. I worked as a bartender and a server in a large uh, Manhattan hotel. And uh, later on, I took that experience, and I went back to school, got my uh, master's degree in social work and a license uh, to be a social worker, and I combined the two. Um, uh, the way I did this was I had realized that um, in my, all my many years serving drinks and serving people, that um, the group of hourly employees, we had a lot of issues that were um, social work type issues. It had to do with communication and grudges we were holding and personal things that were stopping us from really being happy at the workplace and doing a good job. And I took that work and uh, combined it with my social work expertise and took it into the workplace. So I, I, the idea is that my company is called From the Inside Out Project, and the idea is to take things from the inside rather than the outside, just the outside general training, which is, you know, smile at the customer, be kind, uh, you know, do your job. And um, so that that's where I am. That's where I am with my work. That's fascinating. Well, you know, most small businesses start off with uh, – uh, the founder, and then uh, maybe one or two employees, mm -hmm. and then grows. And yes. it, uh, and because it, it is such a small environment, uh, whatever problems are magnified because you can't spread them over a, a lot of people. So mm -hmm. now, having said that, the floor is yours, Laura. Tell us more. Thank you. Interesting you bring up, yes, that in a small company, small business, obviously you start with a founder, then you build and build and build, and maybe the outside you're building to isn't even that isn't that huge. So you're absolutely correct that these problems uh, magnify. And what I've found um, is, so you have basic problems with an hourly employee, maybe he or she's not doing, serving the customer in the way that you'd like, a receptionist is not... Um, 
you know, performing in a way that you would like the business to be represented. And oftentimes the reaction to that is simply to discipline or say, you know, you have to smile more or you need to do this or that or the other thing. And, you know, sometimes that's fine and that's enough to, you know, sort of remind people of what the point of, of the job is. But sometimes it's deeper than that and it's bigger than that. And just telling them uh, or disciplining doesn't uh, really work. And that's what I've found in my own personal experience often and often and out there. And it, it's also not just hourly employees because it's not a vacuum, you know, especially a small business. You, the receptionist, is directly connected to the vice president and the sales managers and whoever else is involved in the company. So those relationships are key. Well, let me uh, let me just stay on the receptions for one minute. Sure. Often, often he or she, uh, and increasingly it's he he in this in this in the world today, mm-hmm. is the first contact someone has with the, with the company, exactly. and it's so important to make them feel, uh, feel that. But um, um, but on the but at, at, at the end, if they're not happy or the. Uh, they can really ruin ruin uh, uh, prospects and everything. How do you yes. deal with that? That's you've you've hit the nail on the head with with all of that because you're absolutely correct. A receptionist is a key person, and um, also in other industries, there'd be other people who are key. The, the greeter at the uh, in a restaurant, the um, front desk at a hotel, anybody who's the first person to contact the customer or potential customer. Um, and in answer to your question, um, I believe that, again, so let's just stick with the receptionist, and the receptionist is not happy for whatever reason and is taking that out in a way on on the guests and people coming to the to the desk um i think it's important to try to discover what the problem is i mean it depends on of course your relationship but hopefully you have a strong enough relationship to to be able to say like hey uh, you know i'm i'm noticing that jane joe and sam have had a bad experience with you and i'm i'm uh, you know, I don't know, was there an issue with them? Or as opposed to what often happens is this sort of uh, hard line that uh, bosses take, which is the customer's always right, and I got X, Y, and Z complaints, and you've got to be wrong. And I happen to know from being on that other end of the customer service, the customer's not always right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But, right? So. Right. Em- employees absolutely value when you, you know, come at them with a question like, "Hey, we got this complaint from Jane or Joe, and and I'm wondering, you know, because you're you've, you're doing a great job, and what's up?" So, and then looking at it in terms of, oh, is there an issue with this person, or or is it, you know, a problem we need to worry about with you? Well, you know, okay. Um, you know, the funny part is many employees can't deal with positive feedback. <laughs> Tell me what you mean by that. That's interesting. <laughs> well, well, you know, the, uh, I make it a point if I get good service to, to tell them, and sometimes uh-huh. to tell the boss. Yes. And and it's amazing the reaction of people to it. Yes. 
first, when you first when you're asked to see the boss, their immediate reaction, uh oh, you're going to say I did something wrong. Exactly. Uh, you know, and then uh, the second reaction is, well, why did he do that? Because good good service is rare today. Yes. And if you get, yes. If, and if you get good service, um, well, let me go. Let me put you a little bit on the spot. Sure. Um, go ahead. Uh, increasingly, we're we're in a diverse um, workforce. We're mm-hmm. uh, uh, diverse by age, and we're diverse by yep. culture. Mm-hmm. And uh, how do you deal with that? What's, what's the... That's a tough one, and it's it's very important. I I, I talk a lot about this. I think um, I think it's very important to. Not so much. I guess I don't want to. I don't want to pan any kind of diversity training or sensitivity training or these types of things. They're okay. I've gone through them. I've been, you know, in the position of having to take them and what have you. But it's it's a bit different, frankly. I think the solution to that or or the way to address that, I think that has to do with really getting down to the specific people and their group. So, for example, you have a group of coworkers, they're waiters or they're uh, working in a restaurant or they're, you know, office employees that all work together, and there are a variety of ages and cultures, and there seem to be some issues around that. I think it's about really stating what you're observing and like, hey, you know, um, we're, it seems that we're having an issue with, Jane, who's been here for 25 years, and Joe, who just got here, and he's 25. And, you know, let's work that out because, not just work it out, but Joe, who's 25, has got a lot to offer Jane, who's been here for 25 years, and Jane and and the reverse. And to not uh, use that opportunity, I guess that's what I'm saying, to take that conflict, observe it, and say, hey, whoa, you know, I'm wondering if we can sort out what what the issue is here, and then let's see how we can benefit from each other because, you know, as I'm sure you know, there's tons to be learned from someone who's been around for a long time and the opposite of someone brand new with more interest in technology and variety of other other things, new ideas, etc. So I think it's about observing, seeing that, and not just seeing it as, a, oh, we've got to have a sensitivity training now because, you know, Joe doesn't understand – but looking at the specifics of it and saying, hey, what can we get from each other? And how can this also benefit us, meaning Joe and Jane and the rest of the coworkers, in going forward, in being happier, being more productive? And, you know, isn't that the hope for everyone at the end of the day, to enjoy your work day rather than dread it? Well, you know, you, you, that's a very interesting point, and it's uh, um, the older people feel resentful of the younger people. Yes. And the young- Younger people have no use for the older people because they don't know what they're talking about. Exactly. Um, uh, it, it's a it's a it's a very funny uh, thing, and we we are in the um, emerging mar- marketplace. Um, uh, uh, I'll go again sideways a little bit because you mm-hmm. seem to have some of the answers. Um, I saw a great cartoon uh, uh, the other day of uh, uh, customers. Uh, ordering their food via um, uh, an electronic uh, ordering uh, place. And the caption read, if you want $15 an hour, meet your replacement. I thought it was a very accurate um, um, 
uh, statement because uh, yes. uh, um, and, and obviously we're having conflict. You can go, uh, uh, being on the road as I am, uh, I use a lot of uh, Wendy's and uh, Burger mm-hmm. Kings, etc. And it's amazing the differences in uh, um, customer service amongst different places within the same chains. Uh-huh. And, uh, um, and smaller... And essentially, they are small businesses. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, and I've talked to other people um, about this subject, and it seems that this problem is accelerating, not de- de- decreasing. Do you see that, and how are ways of, of preventing it? Well, again, I think it's important to address the specifics of what's going on. So, for example, when I was uh, working as a server and a bartender, this was a union hotel. So you had employees there who had been there for 15, 20 years doing the same job every day for 15, 20 years, whether that's sweeping the floor, bussing the table, uh, attending to the rooms, answering the phone, talking to people at the front desk. It's a repetitive job. People get into a rut, they get sloppy, they get bored, they get disgruntled, and that obviously comes out on the customer. It's not right, it's not okay, it's not the job. The way to go at that, in my mind, is to go at the specifics and sit the people down and talk to them. What's going on here? I know you know how to bust the table and do this, that, and the other thing. What the devil is the issue? Because what managers usually do, they tear their hair out and they're infuriated and they can't let anybody go because it's a union job and all of these things, and they bring in trainers. They bring in consultants to sit us down and explain how we should smile and use the customer's name and upsell the wine and all of these things. We all know that. That's not the problem. The problem is I'm bored and Jane won't tip me properly and Joe is, you know, was rude to me six months ago and never apologized and I'm holding on to these things and I'm disgruntled at home. And again, it's not management's job to do therapy or fix your home problems. But the point is to address like, hey, whoa, something's going on here. And let's, as a group, let's just throw out what, what's the issue? What's the feedback? What's the, is there, what's, what's going on? And then once you know that, you can do something about it, maybe. Sometimes the issue is uh, specific to management. So, for example, we used to become very disgruntled because we didn't have supplies we needed. You know, we'd say, look, we need martini glasses. We don't have them. So you want me to keep going and keep the smile on my face when I don't have the proper to do my job. So things like that pretty easily rectified if management knows about it. Well, we'll turn it around for a minute. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a manager may not may know about it, but do nothing about it. Um, you know, it, it all isn't the, always the, the the worker's fault or the worker's problem. And sometimes the management. How can yeah. they? Uh, uh, what should they be doing in all of this? Well, I think management should do a couple of basic things, which really help hourly employees to to do the customer service job better. One is to be very clear in communicating and expectations. When I say communicating, let's go back to the supplies. So 
if you've ordered martini glasses and they're not in yet, I get that. That's not, you know, your fault, and that's, that's fine. But let me know that. Listen, Laura, we don't have martini glasses. I'm sorry about that. Use the separate wine glasses. We'll get the glasses by the end of the week, or that's what we're hoping, or whatever. Tell me that. So then I know where I'm going and what I can do. And then make the expectations clear and back me up when you make those expectations clear. So, for example, I worked in a lobby bar, and we had there was a policy, a hotel policy, that you could not bring in outside food and sit in the lobby bar and eat it. Okay. So someone comes in, and I nicely tell them, I'm sorry, but it's our policy that you can't have outside food in here. Uh, and this person gets disgruntled and irate and starts screaming that I'm a platinum member and I've been here 20 times and whatever, goes up all the whole the ladder, and all of a sudden it's okay for that person to eat in the lobby. Now, how does that make me look? Not so great. And now I'm irritated because you told me the policy, you told me to enforce it, and now you've doubled back because some influential customer screamed. Next time I'm probably not going to enforce any policies. So those two things really help me, if you do them correctly, help me and make me feel like, okay, you got my back, and I can, you know, help you too. You know, it's interesting. Uh, 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 Just recently I had a very, uh, uh, for a show, um, I I had pre-registered, but one of my editors hadn't. And Mm -hmm. the, the woman at the press room absolutely refused to um, give her credentials. Uh, we have a policy, uh, we don't uh, put names on our stories. And she just would not uh, understand. And wow. we had to bring it all the way up to literally the show management. Uh, cause I would, um, and uh, she, at the end of it, she was very, very disgruntled. But in this case, she was. Uh, I call it the tyranny of the uh, little people. Uh, yes. You have you have people who use their position to uh, really make it hard for other people, and and those are the people I really don't like. Yes, you're. I agree. The, this, the story you just um, <clears throat> recounted makes me think of somebody who has a teeny bit of power and just wants to use it and show you exactly yes. how. Uh, and a lack of flexibility. I mean, that's the other thing that's important to instill that managers can instill in their their workers. Um, okay, so this is the policy, but. Here's how we can be flexible with it, and in your case, okay, wasn't signed up ahead of time, but all right, that's great, and we're happy to have you. It should be a welcoming thing, not a no. Yeah, you know, that's great. You know, well, but I'm we're running into that more and more. Surprisingly, uh, I find that the state uh, bureaucrats are becoming more um, uh, flexible as hmm. uh, private. Uh, uh, my experiences with the IRS, I belong uh, on a nonprofit profit uh, um, medical marijuana, and uh, dealing with the IRS has been a pleasure. I, I know oh. people don't <laughs> don't say that much about the IRS. But That's great. Over, yes, whereas in the private sector. Uh, let me, uh, uh, since we're having such an interesting conversation, let me ask one more. Um, sure. Again, it's a little controversial. Um, 
uh, uh, harassment, sexual harassment. Mm-hmm. It is becoming uh, almost a daily occurrence, but um, it's gotten to the point where I don't know who to believe anymore when I read a story. Mm-hmm. And uh, how do you deal with that? Hmm. That's uh, really tough. And I guess my first thought is to say one of the things that I believe is really important to work on with people, and I believe it's connected. It's connected in this in this case, in which is specifically what you're talking about, is so people workers can understand that. Really, the first line of how they want to handle something should be direct with the person involved. So in this case, you have stories, and often what I've found, people use the word harassment, whether it's sexual or personal or whatever kind of harassment. I'm being harassed, and they run down to HR and exclaim their story about this one and that one pushed me or did touched me in this way or whatever it is. And often... It's not a lie, but it was a misunderstanding. There was something else happening. There's something else that provoked it. There's a lot of layers. As you said, you're not sure whom to believe or what piece of it to believe. And instead of starting with running to file a a grievance, a complaint, an official document, let's try to sort it out with the people directly. And one of the things I think a lot of people, workers, managers, hourly, whatever, um, struggle with is how to honestly confront somebody and speak about something that may be difficult Mm -hmm. and speak about it in a way that, you know, uh, doesn't attack, doesn't scapegoat people, but just says, hey, listen, this happened, and I'm wondering, you know, I don't get it. And, and have a conversation. Sometimes that conversation eliminates the need for a sexual harassment suit. Now, sometimes that conversation doesn't work and it's not possible, um, but I've seen so many instances of all kinds of things being blown up into HR and the union and the delegate and this and that, where if you turned around and said to the person, like, hey, this is the deal, this is what happened, you could have probably sorted it out in a couple of minutes. Well, uh, how true. It's not what you do, but how you handle the aftermath that counts. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the fact that a lot of people avoid any aftermath, they they don't, they avoid conflict at any cost, uh, mm. what they think might be conflict, you know. So to go back mm. to the person or to say to the person, like, hey, you know, what's the deal here, uh, is not an option for them. I don't think they even think about it. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we're getting close to the end, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, let me talk about um, how do you help a person who finally decides this this um, employee must go? Mm. That one is uh, again. I I think that's all about having a conversation with the employee. Because I would imagine that if that employee, whether they're hourly or management or whatever they are. It looks to you, if you're the boss, the CEO or founder or whoever you are, uh, like, look, it looks like Jane is really burning out here or she's not doing well anymore, and, you know, this looks like this is a problem. I think a, a, a direct conversation, again, go to Jane directly. Listen, 
happen. And again, if it's, it's, a, it's a matter of chain of command, you're going to go through whomever. The point is to say and encourage Jane, like, hey, look, if this is, if you're looking to advance, uh, if that's the, the issue, let's talk about that. Maybe there may or there may not be a spot higher up if that's the reason things are not going well or is it something else going on and look here's the deal we feel again make it clear expectations clear this is what you were expected to do in this position and we see that you know for the last several months several weeks whatever it is you haven't been doing xyz and that's the job so if you're not prepared to do that we need to speak about having you move on because I, I really, uh, I feel like there could be a number of reasons why Jane is not performing. And again, it's not about you doing a psychoanalysis or getting into her, you know, personal life or, ex- or even accepting if there are outside problems. Because frankly, that's not your, you know, concern. Except to say that Jane may be, you know, again, not able to say, like, hey, I, I'm, I really need to advance, and then maybe there's a collaboration there. Maybe you find a spot for her that's better. Maybe you don't, and she decides to, you know, time to start looking. Mm-hmm. So it uh, works for both of you. It's collaborative. It's, it's good for the company and Jane. Hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, with, yes, with, that's the with, ideal, of course. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking with Laura McLeod. She's an HR expert. Laura, do you have a website? Do you have a book? What? How do people find you? I've got a website. It is www.fromtheinsideoutproject.com. Um, I would love to have a book, which I'm thinking about, and uh, I will certainly let you know if and when it comes out. Well, please, please do, because it is... Uh, 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 I, I I think there's a book always about uh, better management for small business because mm. uh, small businesses don't really know how to manage people, and they uh-huh. often learn by tra- trial and error. But uh-huh. uh, and uh, that's what we found. It's interesting yeah. how many com- emails I've gotten when I announced um, you're coming on the program. Well. Uh, but thank you again, Laura. Uh, say once more time your website. Yes, thank you. Laura McLeod at FromTheInsideOutProject.com. Well, thank you, Laura, for joining us today. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back soon. Thanks so much, Don. I enjoyed it. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. We will be back next week with other guests invited to help you, our audience, improve operations, expand marketing, reduce cost, enable better personnel management, and add profits. Remember, all of our shows are archived at www.blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. You can hear this show and all others at your leisure. If you like the show, tell others about it. Want to make a comment or be a guest? Email us at editor at is-incorp.com. Your host was Don Mazella, Editorial Director of Small Business Digest. Until next time, keep faith with the ideals that made America great, and remember small business is still the backbone of commerce.
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.